Domine non sum digno sub intre sub tectum meum, tatum dic verbo, sanabitur puer meus. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but but say the word, and my servant shall be healed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. First, at this most solemn moment of our day, most solemn but also most dear to our hearts, we ought to wish our dear brother Chrysostom, Don Chrysostom, a happy onomastico. If Father Pryor were here, I would want me to do that, and also to, to express our fraternal charity, but also our gratitude to God, so our charity to you, our love to you, but also our gratitude to God for bringing you to our midst on this day. Be assured that you will be foremost mentioned in the memento at the Mass. Happy to do Tradition calls Christ by many titles. We have so many names for our Savior. But one title I think that ought to be especially dear to us is Christ the Physician of Souls, Christus Medicus Animarum. It's fitting that we should talk about that title today because today's Mass brings the healing Christ directly into our midst. For instance, the Collect asks that he look with mercy on our infirmity, our sickness, weakness. The secret asks that we be cleansed of sin in our minds and our bodies, that we should be made whole and holy. It's just two examples. But the gospel, I think, displays this mystery of Christ the healer most fully. Our passage that we had today, chapter, the beginning of chapter 8, verses 1 through 13, our passage begins by saying, when Jesus was come down from the mountain, question is, well, what was he doing up there that he had to come down from? Of course, we know he was delivering, for the three chapters previous, he was delivering the Sermon on the Mount. That's where he was coming from. That is, he was delivering, you might say, the center of his, his doctrine, pouring out his healing doctrine of his heart. He was healing souls on the Mount. He was healing us from error. He was healing us from sadness. Don't take my word for it. Go back to chapters 5, 6, and 7 of St. Matthew's Gospel and see how true this is. Christ is teaching, but in so doing, he heals. So while Christ healed souls on the mountain, he immediately comes down and he heals two bodies right after that, as if the evangelist wants to drive home the point, God himself wants to drive home the point, that Christ is physician of souls. You might say Christ at this Mass comes into our presence with two of his patients, a leper and a centurion. Christ the healer comes in procession to us right now with two of his patients, two of those whom he has healed. So let's consider them. Consider first the leper. The leper falls into our Lord's presence, desperate but adoring. He prays. This is a prayer. Domine, civis, potes memundare. Lord, if you, if you wish, if you will, you can make me clean. It's a good prayer if ever we heard one. And instantly, 
he is made clean by the stretching forth of Christ's healing hand. Instantly. As an aside, the offertory of the Mass, which we will hear later, I think is basically the prayer of the leper. Quote, The right hand of the Lord hath wrought strength. The right hand of the Lord hath exalted me, says the leper. I shall not die, but live, and shall declare the works of the Lord. Christ the healer at work again in the offertory. There's an ancient homily, at least attributed to St. John Chrysostom, which dwells on the way the leper approaches Christ, namely the Dory. That homily says this, speaking about the leper, quote, and to his spiritual physician, Christ, he, the leper, offered a spiritual payment, namely his prayer, his adoration. For all physicians are paid in money, but he, the leper, pays with prayer alone. And in truth, nothing is more fittingly offered to God than trustful prayer. For whatsoever material thing we offer is not ours, but our prayer is our own. That line struck me, but our prayer is our own. It's true if you think about it, divine providence can take everything from us. It can take our, our, all our material goods, divine providence can take our health, our friends and our livelihood. All these things we can lose, it's true. These things can be an offering to God if we have them, very pleasing to Him, but they can be taken away. But divine providence cannot take from us prayer. God doesn't force prayer from us, if you think about it in those terms. And so it's true. Our prayer is our own, says this ancient homily. And it's true. Our prayer is our own. Few of us can offer Christ great things, but we can pray. And this is the payment, you might say, again, according to this homily, this is the payment that we give Christ the Divine Physician, our prayer. Now our prayer, this is why does Christ delight to receive this payment, our prayer is, you might say, what is most intimate to us. Our prayer comes from the deepest parts of us which is why Christ the physician wants it. From the deepest parts of our identity and our hearts, in our interior life comes forth our prayer. Even when we pray superficially, so we think, or even when we think we pray badly, nevertheless, that movement of prayer comes from the deepest part of ourselves. It's most us. Our prayer is our own, I think, because prayer is, in a sense, ourselves. Prayer is us when we come before Christ the Divine Physician, as it was, as we see, for the leper. It is the only thing Christ could receive from the leper. It is the only thing Christ can receive from us, our prayer. Our prayer is our own. But how are we, if that's true, okay, fine, how are we to pray? How do we make this offering to Christ, the physician of our souls? After all, we know ourselves well enough to know that our prayer, 
according to us, is not what it should be. We think we pray superficially, and we do at times. We pray distractedly. We do at times, maybe even most of the time. It's true. What are we to do in the midst of our weakness, even in prayer? Now consider the centurion, the second patient of Christ the physician. He, too, is an example of humble prayer. And his words that we hear in today's gospel aren't they are, excuse me, they are important because his words are so familiar to us, of course. Domine, non sum dignus ut intes subtectum meum, sed tantum dic verbo. Six times these words are repeated at every holy mass. Thrice by the priest himself, for himself, and thrice on behalf of the people. Why? to call Christ the physician of our souls into our midst. At that moment, right before either the priest or the people receive the precious body and blood of our Savior, what words could be possibly more appropriate than that? Lord, I am not worthy that you should come to my roof, but only say the word. So if our prayer is our own, if our prayer is us, the offering we make, the only offering we can make to our divine physician, then our life, I think, is meant to be a perpetual domine non sum dignus. Before the gifts of God, what is the only prayer we can really muster? Lord, I am not worthy. These four words prayed peacefully and sincerely and constantly, these four words will teach us everything. Lord, I am not worthy. Now, if this sounds like an exaggeration, in conclusion, if that sounds like an exaggeration, or if it sounds morbid, or if it sounds bad or too negative that we should always be praying, Lord, I am not worthy, too harsh, again, consider the Gospel. The centurion speaks that prayer, Lord, I am not worthy, and what happens? He gets everything he asks for, and more. Our Lord doesn't say, you're right, you're not worthy, be gone. I know you're not. Our Lord doesn't say that. Our Lord responds by breaking open the generosity of his healing heart, and healing, yes, the centurion's servant, but I suspect healing the centurion himself. Our Lord doesn't give many compliments in the Gospel, I don't think, but the, the centurion receives one of them. Christ marvels at the centurion when he prays this prayer. So it's hardly a negative, morbid thing for the centurion. But lastly, what about us? What happens to us at Mass when we pray that prayer? Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. What happens? Well, for the priest, what happens is he stoops down and he's able immediately after to receive the precious body of our Lord. For the people, the same thing happens. You say that prayer, and a few short moments later, Christ himself, by the hands of the priest, comes through the sanctuary to you, waiting at the altar rail. Our Lord doesn't send you away when you pray that prayer. You get everything you ask for when you pray that prayer, and more. He 
comes to us in Holy Communion, in his very flesh, to do his healing work in us when we pray that prayer. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word. I think we can pray that sentence for the rest of our life. Lord, I am not worthy, but only say the word. Only say the word, and your servant shall be healed. Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.